It's the biggest game of the year, and we've got you covered. Before the teams kick off tomorrow, we tee it up. This is Grey Cup Preview on 630 Chen. Brought to you by Crystal Glass and by Shipper Supply. Here's Brian Holland on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chen. Good Saturday afternoon, everybody. What a happening here in Toronto. The 104th Grey Cup tomorrow. Weather's going to be good. It's sunshiny right now. Not much wind. Temperature around 5 degrees. They kick off at 4.30 Edmonton time tomorrow, this 104th Grey Cup. It's presented by Shaw. And it's a bit of history because it's only the third time in league history that Ottawa and Calgary will play in a Grey Cup. And it has some significance for the Edmonton Eskimos, one of those games, the second in 1968. But the first was 1948. That one in 1968 was won by the Ottawa Rough Riders 24-21 over the Stampeders. Terrific. Players like Russ Jackson, Vic Washington, a lot of top receivers. Very good football. It was during that time of the 60s there was a lot of history between the Calgary Stampeders, the Ottawa Rough Riders, Ottawa and other teams involved in Grey Cups in Calgary. Uh, you know, they had Peter Liska quarterback and Terry the Flea Evanson as a receiver. And, oh, there was a lot of history, those two clubs. They were terrific in the 60s, Ottawa and Calgary. But they only met that one time, 1968, with the Riders winning 24-21. But the one that was significant for Edmonton was 1948. It was here in Toronto. Calgary Stampeders beating the Ottawa Rough Riders by a score of 12 to 7. The Stamps capping off the lone perfect regular season in league history by beating Ottawa. And it was only a tie in the playoffs prevented the red and white from running the table and they used a little trickery to do it. But I'll tell you what, you uh, know about the old sleeper play? That was in effect back in those days. We'll not go into it now, but it was significant for Edmonton because when Calgary won, it started people in Edmonton thinking and saying, people like Henry Singer and Ken Montgomery and Walter Sprague and others who said, we've got to get into this. They can't, they can't be grabbing all the highlights, this Calgary team that started the big show of the Grey Cup by coming down the main street of Young Street in chuck wagons, flipping flapjacks out of the back and riding a horse into the lobby of the Royal York Hotel. It was, it was quite something, but it sparked the Edmonton Eskimos coming into the league in 1949 because Henry Singer and those people said, hey, we got to get into this. And so they started in 1949. And that was it with the Eskimos. The rest of the story you know if you're a football fan. And Estukas coming out from Toronto, the loquacious Lithuanian. And it was uh, first Grey Cup for them in 54. And the arrival of Jackie Parker. And the Shenley Football Awards that began in 53. And an Eskimo, Billy Vessels, won the first Shenley Award as the outstanding player in the Canadian Football League. Now it's the Shaw Football Awards. But like I said... It was Ottawa and Calgary. 
And so the Stampeders this year are heavily favored, actually, over the Ottawa Red Blacks. Not the Rough Riders, but the Red Blacks. It's been a great story for the Red Blacks. They came in with the Jeff Hunt organization back into the league after being in, being out, up and down. Not good. But, boy, they've been terrific since Jeff Hunt revived things in our nation's capital and hired Rick Campbell to look after it, along with Marcel Desjardins, the general manager. Oh, boy, have they done a job. Their first year, they were 2-16. and 16. But last year, 12-6, and 6, into the game, losing to the Eskimos, leading most of the way, and then losing in the closing minutes. And then this year, with an 8-9-1 and one record, no team in the East had a winning record. And they finished first, and they, of course, in the crossover, beat the Eskimos in the final, and here they are today. For Calgary, it was, you know, losing the opening game, a new coach, Dave Dickinson, from offensive coordinator, John Huffnagel stepping aside, and a lot of stories going on there as well. They lose their opening game. But they lose only their last game. And in between, they had one tie game. And they wound up with a 15-2-1 record. And that's why they are heavily favored today. Well, you just don't know, do you? But for Henry Burris, the veteran quarterback of Ottawa, he's going to be a big part of this story. So is Bo Levi Mitchell, of course, the unanimous winner as the outstanding player in the league. And he, you know, is just something. This ball club is quite something. But he was a third-string quarterback in 2012 when Calgary lost here in the 100th Grey Cup. And that was to the Toronto Argonauts. Ricky Ray at quarterback, if you recall. But it's been much different for the Argos since. And certainly for Calgary, they've just kept rolling. And Henry Burris, well... He's been quite a story for Ottawa, too. He was the outstanding player last year, like Bo Levi Mitchell's the outstanding player this year. And Henry Burris, I had some conversation with him, and he said, you know, I am bound and determined, and he is bound and determined, and in superb shape. So you're back again in the big show. How many great cups for you? Man, this is what my uh, my fifth one. I mean, it's it's been quite the run, and uh, you know, to be able to be a part of a, a, a tradition and something as important as of the importance as the Great Cup. I mean, to be a part of one of the cogs in the wheel to help you know get our team here, especially two back-to-back years, which is a tough task to be able to pull off. I mean, albeit to get there one year, but to be able to make it in back-to-back seasons when everybody's gunning to take you down, uh, it says a lot about the guys in this room and to be a part of this. I mean, it's been a special journey for me. You won it with Calgary. Yeah, I won. Actually, my only two rings I have in existence in my career both have a horse on them. So, uh, you know, it'd be nice to have some change there, especially uh, playing in a city like Ottawa. Uh, you know, if there's any city or market in this league that deserves a great cup, it's definitely Ottawa. With all the years that they've had to wait and, 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 and you know, deal with the turmoil of having the type of ownership that they had over those years. But now to be back here in a situation where this is our second kick of the can. But it's different this year because we're not only happy to be here, we expected to be here this year. Whereas last year, Hey, we overcame lots of odds, and we made it after a two and sixteen campaign in year one. But to make it in back to back and to see the, our club focus the way we are this week, I've got a good feeling. Yeah, but look at how it was for Henry Burris. I mean, last year you won the big award, you had a super year. This year, 
injury hit, mm-hmm. and that can change a lot in a hurry. Oh, yeah, it definitely can, and uh, it's amazing how things happen for a reason. And, uh, you know, with our ball, ball club bringing in Trevor Harris, Trevor came in at the right time, and he was lighting it up, you know, doing the things that we expected Trevor to do. And then, of course, when he had his injury, I came back early and uh, tried to come back in, probably only 80% with my throwing hand, and it definitely showed right away. But, again, I, I really didn't have a lot of time. I mean, I played uh, what I played what, a half a game in both preseason and in regular season. I was out for a month after just putting in a couple of weeks of uh, practice and training camp. So I wasn't ready. I mean, when I came back, my hand wasn't ready. I didn't have good timing. I didn't have that feel of the game that I expect to have and to play with. I didn't play the confidence with the confidence that I'm used to playing with. But once I was able to, to get that confidence back as far as getting that practice time in, strengthening the hand, putting the time in practice, Trevor came back and gave me that time. I was able to get back in the fold and the mode and the, and the mind state that I wanted to be in and uh, take advantage of the opportunity once it was given again. Yeah, but you wouldn't have been able to do that if during the off season you didn't work out all the time. You said, I treat my body like I'm a 25-year-old. Exactly. You have to train like that. I mean, you only get out of it what you put into it. And I, I put my body in positions that are vulnerable, which usually cause injuries to a lot of guys. I make sure my body feels like it's been there before when I'm putting that position again. But I make sure I put the right things in my body, too, to keep myself feeling young. Because really, the biggest thing about athletes is all about recovery. And usually, once you get into your 40s, it usually takes another day or two to recover. You're all stiff, sore, trying to get out of bed. And here we are at the end of the season. My body still feels good. Of course, I got some bumps and bruises here and there. But I feel I'm in the position where when I step on the field on Sunday, I'll feel fresh and ready to go. I'll be if I need to tuck the ball and run, use my legs to keep them respecting that. The fact that, hey, he's a 41-year-old guy, but he can still make plays with his feet. I got to make sure I keep that thought in the back of their mind to go along with the package that we have outside of great athletes. There's no such thing as a perfect defense, right? Right, right. This is an offensive game, but, you know, if you talk about a perfect defense, it doesn't come any closer than what Calgary's been doing this year. I mean, up front, with that front seven, those guys fly around to stop the run. They put a lot of pressure on the passer as far as in the pocket. The thing is, you got to mix things up against them, and they have ball hawks in the back end. They have so so many veterans on the back end, from Brandon Smith, Jamar Wall. I mean, so many great players back there that help lead that defense on all three phases. So we got to make sure we continually mix things up and keep pressure on them, not just make turn into a drop-back game because we've seen what that results in, the quarterback getting hit lots, and, of course, you end up having a loss in the end. Yeah. Well, anyway, lots of success. Another great year for you. Always great to talk with Henry Burris. Hey, it's always an honor and a pleasure to talk to the best. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Smiling Hank. Henry Burris, yet another great cup for him. Number five, as he said, the only two he has. I've got uh, a horse on him. But he's excited. Boy, is he excited. 41 years of age, the ageless wonder. He's terrific. He talks about that back end of the Calgary Stampeder defense, and that's Khalil Carter's secondary. Want to know how they view this Henry Burris and this Calgary offense uh, we know about. But uh, for the Ottawa offense, listen, they've got three 1,000-yard receivers. And they can run the ball, too, as the Eskimos found out last week. So what's that going to be like? We're going to take a quick break here from the Sheraton Center here in Toronto. And the place is jammed today. And what a breakfast this morning. I want to talk about the spirit of Edmonton. Folks, it was fantastic. You cannot believe what this Spirit of Edmonton does for the city of Edmonton. And uh, it was jam-packed. But what an outstanding show it was for 
three and a half hours. It was really something. But there's much to talk about from this 104th Great Cup presented by Shaw. We're going to take a quick break. We've been here, of course, throughout the week. All brought to you by our friends with Chipper's Supply and Crystal Glass. We'll be back in a moment or two. You're listening to Great Cup Preview. Brought to you by Crystal Glass and by Shipper Supply on 630 Chad. Back we are at the Sheridan Center. Boy, this is a beautiful hotel. It is huge. It is beautiful. It is full. It is the center of the attention here during this Great Cup week. And by the way, the game kicks off at 4.30 Edmonton time tomorrow. And speaking about this is only the third meeting between Calgary and Ottawa in a Grey Cup, the last of which was 1968 with the Stamps losing 24-21 to the Riders. It was that first one of 1948 that started everything going, started the celebration of Grey Cup and resulted in the Eskimos getting into the league the next year. And it was also a fresh-faced 18-year-old Normie Kwong who became the youngest player ever to win a Grey Cup. And it was uh, Keith Spate, the quarterback, the first American NFL-style quarterback to join the CFL team. They had Woody Strode as one of their receivers. Remember, he went on and became a pretty famous actor in Hollywood. All kinds of things going on. Mm-hmm. But... We're talking about this game, and we heard from Henry Burris talking about facing that Calgary defense, and he mentioned their secondary and their ball hawks and how good they are, and that's why they're going to have to give them different looks and things. And I caught up with Khalil Carter, who is the secondary coach for the Stampeders. And he says, I can tell you, we will not take this Ottawa team lightly. We hear about how great we're supposed to be, the marvelous season we had and all of that. That's not how we look at things here with the Stampeders. I mean, every week we go in with the mindset that we're going to meet our match uh, offensively. Um, we prepare based on fundamentals and effort. Um, and Ottawa is one of those kind of teams. They're, they're a blue-collar team. They have great receiver core. They have a veteran leadership. They have great coaching. And our secondary loves that, that challenge. I mean, are you going to fool a Henry? Are you going to fool some of those people who are receivers uh, so that you can maybe get a little ball hawking going and an interception or something like that, you know? Can you do that? I, I, I wish it was that easy. I think uh, in football at this point, nobody's fooling anybody. We know who Ottawa is and Ottawa knows who we are. And we'd be fooling ourselves if we didn't think that we're just going to rely on technique and fundamentals and do what we got, got us here, making plays when it's our time. We call it making average plays every play. Tackle, catch, block, run, score, win. It's a reaction, right? It's a reaction. We, go, yeah. we talk about being being late, but being great. Um, we also talk about all season long about making those average plays every play, and that's what got us here. Not not thinking that we're bigger than the game, not thinking that we're bigger than the team, and not thinking that we're bigger than the teammates, individuals on the team. And we've had that collective mindset since last year's Western Final. We came back hungry, we're ready, and we're looking for an opportunity to be great this weekend. That was uh, kind of a bitter pill uh, against <laughs> uh, Edmonton, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I mean, our, our our hated rivals, respect the heck out of that coach staff, good friends on that staff, respect the players, Mike Riley, his duos of receivers. Their defense was amazing last year. They were good again this year, so hats off to them, but we, we wanted to come back and make a statement this year.
this year that we're better than we were last year, and we did. You do. You do learn a lot of lessons from losing and winning and competing. And Ottawa's been there. Henry's been to the last two or three great cups. He's a battle-tested veteran. He has a history with Calgary. They have plenty of motivation to go out there and play. What trumps that is this great football from, from us. Executing the X and O's, believing in each other, sticking together, adjusting, overcoming adversity, and in the end, scoring one more point than they have. And basically, for you as secondary, Coach Khalil, is recognizing, reacting. That's what it is. Make sure of your tackles, but don't let that guy get behind you. Keep people in front of you, and remember, the game is all about separation. So be ready when that, because he knows where he's going. He does know. Right? Yep. The DB doesn't really know. He's got to read that, right? Right, right. When you play the hardest position in football, other than playing quarterback, in my opinion, and we and we played the whole league. We know the personnel. We know that Ottawa has a great receiving core as well for 1,000-yard receivers for the second season. We have our hands cut out, but thank God I got a, a, a secondary full of all-stars, and uh, we'll, we'll show up on Sunday. But both these offenses are very explosive. Very explosive. Very explosive. It's, very, it's good for the league to have Ottawa back, to have Calgary in it with our season, and it's going to be a great game on Sunday. We're looking forward for the opportunity to be great. Thank you much. Thank you. All righty, so you get the picture there. They're not taking anything for granted, not for a moment, and the fact that they play football the way they do, I think, clearly tells you that. But there was so much that went on this week, you know. There was the story about whether they were going to sell out the stadium. Well, it will look good for TV because there'll be people in the seats, but the question is, did they pay, and if they did, how much did they pay? Because there's just been so much that has gone on here in this city. It has been a very, very tough sell. But Jerome Messam is also another story. This is his fifth CFL club, seven years in the league. He was a one-time Eskimo, if you recall. And he was with Saskatchewan Rough Riders and left them to hook up with Calgary this year because he said, I knew, I knew that that was the club I had to be with, was the Calgary Stampeders. He said, I could see what they had. And so, as he looks at this, because he comes from just outside the Toronto area, finally, he said, after seven years in the league, five teams, I get to play in a great cup in my hometown. This week is huge. You know, I don't think guys should do anything different or approach it any different than what we did to get here. But, um, you know, I think attention to detail and paying attention to the things that we did do to get us here are going to be crucial for us. I think we got great leaders, and uh, that starts from our quarterback. He's uh, he's our leader on the offense, and um, it's safe to say Charleston Hughes is the leader on the defense, and those are two great character guys. Um, very humble, don't have egos, and it's, uh, it makes it easy for new guys coming in to, to approach them and kind of see how the team is run, and um, it's also it's good for those guys to see how they carry themselves and um, fall in line. This moment right here, speaking to you at the Grey Cup, is, is a big is a big reason why I signed back to Calgary in the offseason, because um, I saw what, we're, what we had as a team, and you know, on, as far as the offense goes, you know, being able to play with a guy like Bo Levi Mitchell just makes your job that much easier. They got a pretty strong defense, but um, not not really worried about them. We got to focus on what we do on offense and go out there and execute. I'm just feel blessed right now, so I want to go out there and have a great game, help my team win this. Could be a big, big weekend for Calgary winning the Grey Cup and the Vanier Cup because they are into the second half now of the Vanier Cup. 
And Lavelle trails the Calgary Dinos by a score of 20 to 10. It was 17 to 10 at the half. Lavelle, of course, looking for its eighth national championship. The Dinos have had a great year in CIS football. So it could be a big, big weekend for the city of Calgary when you talk about football success. But you know that Grey Cup tomorrow, the 104th presented by Shaw. It's going to be, I think, a lot closer than people expect. But the story here in Toronto is, what about the Argonauts, who won only two home games, had new ownership, moved into a beautifully renovated BMO Field. It's a terrific venue. It really is, folks. And as you know, they play MLS soccer there. And uh, soccer's become extremely huge here and in other parts of our country. But for the Toronto Argonauts, it was a disappointing year. But it's been a tough sell in Toronto because of everything that's been going on here. And we talked with Arash Madani about that from Sportsnet one time organization for him was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He was their communications director. And now with Sportsnet, he's been here, I think, seven or eight years. We'll uh, find out what his thinking is, what his read is about the Toronto Argos and the city of Toronto and CFL football. When we come back on our Great Cup preview, brought to you by Shippers Supply and Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, 310 Glass. You're listening to Grey Cup Preview, brought to you by Crystal Glass and by Shipper Supply on 630 Chad. You know, I'm still thinking, and I've been talking to some people who were at the Spirit of Edmonton breakfast this morning. What a great show it was, and I mean it, folks. I'm not kidding you. Huge ballroom, a huge ballroom. About the size, certainly the size, of Hall D at the Shaw Conference Center. There must have been 1,200 people in there at least. And you, first of all, get impressed with the color, the atmosphere, because, I mean, they did such a superb job of dressing up the room. And then on top of everything else, uh, they have nonstop entertainment. And the entertainment they brought in was absolutely outstanding, outstanding. In addition to the marching bands, the pep bands, the cheerleading groups, and the others who were there. It was, uh, you know, just something people just said, holy cow, this is a fantastic ticket. Meaning, wasn't expensive, great breakfast, non-stop entertainment, top-notch, first class. Edmonton can be so proud of this Spirit of Edmonton group. Wow. In fact, I think that uh, my... My employers, Shaw, that uh, the way that they move around the country and they televise certain happenings, that this is something that they should take a look at doing in the future. It was just terrific. So proud of the guys. So proud, everybody. Anyway, Arash Madani uh, on scene here in Toronto and the atmosphere for this game and what is the future and the Argonauts. And, you know, is, is, is it as bad as it appears and what's happened? You know, I mean, with the Blue Jays and the Raptors and the MLS soccer team and, you know, and, of course, the resurgence of the Leafs and all of that. I caught up to Arash and, well, Arash Madani, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That's when you and I first met. That was what, gosh, almost eight years ago. Amazing how it works, doesn't it, Halsey? Just how the time flies, and here we are at another Grey Cup. Yes, it is, and what a Grey Cup it's going to be. It's a very different Grey Cup this year, presented by Shaw. I mean, there's a lot of history, but 
it's for me a concern about having it in Toronto. How would you know ahead of time what was going to happen? All the, the sports stories that have developed in Toronto, and it's made it tough for the Argonauts the way the Argo season went. Nothing seemed to go right this past year in Toronto, right? Yeah, nothing went well at all for their for their ball club. I really wonder, though, Brian, if, if they had even won a few more games, if it would have made a difference. They were just not on the radar here. This was year one at BMO Field for them. This was their opportunity to make a big splash. They didn't, not just with the football team, but with, with selling tickets. They just weren't in the marketplace January, February, March, April, really for a lot of May coming into it to really you know put themselves out there. And the question now becomes, and this is where things get a little dicey, is going into the season, you had the novelty of year one of BMO Field, the year one of being down by the lake again, the fact that the Grey Cup was going to be here. What are you selling this off season? And that's a big question now going into 2017 of where the Argos are headed from a from a fan standpoint, from a fill-the-park standpoint, which they didn't do this year, and from a football standpoint. Well, they had less than 17,000 average per game. Mm-hmm. And then, look, are they going to sell this game out on Sunday or not? They're going to paper the place. Somebody said they're not just papering tickets. They're going to dump tickets in there. So what they need to do is make sure the place looks good on television. Um, they, you know, I, I spoke with somebody at the West Final in Calgary last week. They, I said, what, 10,000 tickets left? He said, well, ideally... 10,000 left. So they're going to put a push on to just put freebies into everybody's hands to make sure that place looks good on Sunday. But it's always been tough, even when you were with Winnipeg Blue Bombers in 2008. It was, uh, what about Toronto? What are they going to do about the Argos in Toronto? Toronto's uh, an American city. They're caught up in the big leagues of, you know, baseball, etc., and basketball, and it, it's really a tough sell anytime. I don't know about that. I mean, it, it's a trend town. It's a it's a what what's hot right now town. I mean, Brian, I moved here in two thousand nine, and seven years ago there'd be fifteen thousand people at the Blue Jay games. You could get into a Raptor game for nothing, but the team started having a little bit of success. But they also became popular. They became hot. The We the North phenomenon right out here at Maple Leaf Square. The Blue Jays winning a few games, and with all the condos opening, that was the that became the in thing to do. So. You know, when you have a reputation in this town, which the Canadian Football League does, of being a minor league team, and that, that's the impression that people have of the Argos. And, you know, this, this city, for whatever it is, wants to portray itself as a big league town. There are a lot of challenges. Now, where they really missed was on the new stadium because you could have turned that into a party. You could have made that a real good time. And, again, when you don't market anything for five months, this failure this year was not on the football side of things, even though upper management is trying to peg it that way. It's now turned into every man for himself, every woman for himself, for herself. What this, Where the failure was was by the organization with the lack of season ticket holders, they only have, I think, 7,000. And the fact that this was a 2 and one football team and a 4 and 2 football team, it's not that nobody cared, Brian. They, nobody even knew what was going on. What do we do? Where do we go from here? And somebody has to come up with a plan. Raj, this is not going to be easy at all. It's not. And I learned a long time ago in this league, and I still believe this to be true. You still sell tickets two by two 
to the Canadian Football League to get people in your seats. You knock on doors and you pound the pavement and you pick up the phone and it's about that. It's not about the glitz and the glamour that they're trying to, to position us. Get people in there first. Know what your fan base is. Take care of the people who come. Take care of the stakeholders who come. And what they've, you know, on top of everything else, what they've done is the hardcore football fan who bought a Grey Cup ticket months ago is now is now being punished because of the reduced prices. They didn't refund them. They just moved them into better seats and said, well, you paid this money, you, you know, this is what you're going to do. They're not getting back to some of those people. So they, they have a lot of work to do to get good faith back in the marketplace. Well, is BMO Field okay? It's outstanding. It's, it's a wonderful place to watch a, any game, soccer game, football game. You go there, the sight lines are terrific. You know, depending on where you're sitting, you look to your left or right, there's the, there's the lake right there. Uh, it's close to downtown. It's surrounded by bars and restaurants. But the in-game experience has to get better, too. And that's one thing they have to work on. But at last, they have themselves a venue. And I think, Brian, they just thought, let's put them outdoors. Let's put them close to downtown. Et voila. Everybody will just come. And they really misread the market. But it is a phenomenal venue to watch to watch any sporting event. Okay, what about the game Sunday? Mm. Calgary, 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 Calgary. Well, don't don't sit on those red blacks now, right? They they led for what fifty minutes in last year's Grey Cup, and everybody yes. we were we, you and I talked, and all yeah. it was was Chris Jones and Mike Riley and Odell Willis yeah. and Darius Bowman, and and obviously they did win, but. I really like what Rick Campbell said today, Brian. He said, our guys transitioned well after the East Final. If, if you remember 2015 afterwards, there was Henry Burris on the field holding his son, wearing a Red Blacks construction helmet. And as the camera panned out, it was 100, then 200, then 300, then a few thousand fans surrounded by him. They were so caught up in the moment, so happy just to get to the championship game. Then you come up short. Now they're back. A lot of those guys have returned. And listen, Calgary's the best team in the league. They're one of the best. They're on the precipice of being a dynasty. But I think the Red Blacks are going to get tired of hearing about all this legacy stuff all oh, week. Yeah. I think they're, they'll be a little ticked off. I think they'll have something to say come Sunday. Yes, and one game, you never know. You never know. You never know. And Henry Burris, I just like him in the big game. Okay. Thank you, Arash. Paul's always good, pal. Okay, that's it. So that gives you that side of what's been going on here for this 104th Grey Cup presented by Shaw. Remember that the kickoff tomorrow will be around 4.30 our time because of, you know, a lot of the spectacular, the hoopla that is going to surround this game. It's about nine and a half to ten point favorites, uh, the Calgary Stampeders are. And Bo Levi Mitchell, who was the unanimous selection as the outstanding players, quarterback of the Stamps, he looks at it as just another game. It's the way he prepares, just like his coach Dave Dickinson did. That's how I think. Uh, to me, it is just another game. Uh, it, may, it may sound uh, demeaning, I guess, to some people. Um, you know, but to me, it's just it's the way I prepare. Uh, I have to see it's just another game. If, if not, you start thinking about uh, one mistake too much. You start thinking about you know one touchdown pass that is, oh, you don't have to do a touchdown pass in the Grey Cup. Oh, great. Um, you, know, you can't do that. you got to make sure that no matter what, that you, know, you don't see the game as bigger than it is. These are two very well-coached teams, two very good teams, two very good quarterbacks. It's got the makings of a great game. And I would be surprised only if it turned out to be a rout. 
I would not be surprised if Ottawa were to win the game. And speaking about that, we're going to go to Rick Campbell, the coach of the Eastern champion, Ottawa Red Blacks, after we take a quick time out from the Sheraton Center in Toronto. And uh, this is really the spot to be, and that's exactly where we are here on 630 Chet. To keep you updated for Crystal Glass and Shipper Supply and this 104th Grey Cup presented by Shaw. You're listening to Grey Cup Preview. Brought to you by Crystal Glass and by Shipper Supply on 630 Chet. Wow, that's uh, some Banyi Cup. Here were the uh, Calgary Dinos leading 20 to 10 at the half. No, it was 17 to 10 at the half, actually. And then they scored early in the third quarter to make it 20 to 10. Things looking pretty good. Then toward the end of the third quarter, Lavelle scores 20 to 17. And now they're into the fourth quarter. Lavelle has scored a touchdown again and leads by a score of 24 to 20. What a finish and what a disappointment if the Dinos wind up losing this one. But the Bell, well, you know their record, CIS football. They're looking for their eighth championship. Well, what about Rick Campbell? We know about Rick Campbell. He's an Edmonton kid, went to Harry Ainley and uh, cut his teeth in coaching and did a great job. And, of course, a lot of people kind of said, well, is he that good a coach? He's there because of his dad, Hugh, isn't he? Mm-mm. He's a smart guy, and he is extremely well-respected. He was a former defensive coordinator, among other things, with Calgary when Ottawa Red Blacks came a-calling and said, hey, we're getting back into the league. We'd like you to be our head coach. First year, they go 2-16. and 16. But last year, their second year, 12-6 and six into the Great Cup, leading for about 50 minutes, lose to the Eskimos. Now they're back again with an 8-9-1 and one record in an Eastern Conference that didn't have any club with a winning record. And going up against his old team, the Calgary Stampeders. And we had a chance to catch up with him. He is so well-respected and such a nice man. Yeah, we're excited to get back to the big show. We had our ups and downs this year. We played a lot of close games, which we did in 2015 as well. And uh, um, we came out on the right side of those often. Uh, We've won some big games uh, as of late that we needed to win. We went on the road and won in Winnipeg to clinch the division. We went on the road and won in Hamilton, which was a big win for us. And then obviously the playoff win last week was huge. And now we got one more to go. And... uh, you know, we've thrown our hat in the ring here, and we're looking to to play well on Sunday. Yeah, but Rick, are you a different club from last year? We have the same core group of coaches and players. You know, we we are different. There's some you know different pieces to it, but uh, we think we're uh, we think we compete. We can compete just as well as we did last year. Like I said, we were we were good at winning close games in 2015, but I think we have just a talented as team this year. And uh, you know, it's going to be a tough task playing Cal. But uh, we're going to give it a shot. If you have the same core of players, they think about that game last year with Edmonton up 14 to nothing, up most of the game. You wind up losing it. Do players go back and say, listen, we had the chance last year. We almost got it done. Do they refer to last year at all? Not very much. I think the thing you learn, though, is just going through the whole experience of, of going through a playoff run and going to the Grey Cup and just knowing what it's like. And like you said, we're a new team and a young team so it was new to us last year 
Um, our guys worked really hard last year, but I know they remember the feeling of standing in the locker room and that sense of disappointment when it you know comes down to the last two or three minutes. You know, in, in the Eskimos locker room, it was a complete celebration, and uh, you know, for us, it was a, a letdown. So this week, I think, it teaches us we want to just make sure we're doing everything we can to make sure we're ready to play Sunday and give ourselves the best shot because you don't, uh, you know, Grey Cups don't come around all the time. So we want to make sure uh, we take advantage of it. You had a lot of injuries this year. We did, yeah, and we've lost some key guys, you know. But that's that's what happens to football teams is they lose guys and guys step up. But uh, yeah, William Powell was our running back that we lost in the preseason for this for the year, who was a very good player, and then uh, Sir Vincent Rogers was an O lineman that we lost, and so we've lost some uh, Chris Williams. You know, there's some big big names that we've lost, but our guys don't complain about it. You know, we we feel bad for the guys that we've lost, but it's kind of like a next man up. You had no other choice but to move on, and that's what we do. Hey, didn't you tie Calgary this year? We did. Pretty, pretty unique. You know, that was a that was an interesting football game, but um, one we definitely could have won. We dropped an interception and we fumbled on the one yard line. But again, uh, you know, give Calgary credit for coming back. So we know we can play with these guys. We know how good they are and how tough a task it's going to be. But uh, I know our guys are going to come out swinging and see what happens. How good are they? Calgary. Yeah. Well, the thing that's impressive about them is just how consistent they are week in and week out. You know, when you go through a long CFL season, you kind of have teams kind of go through some ups and downs, and, you know, you get momentum, and then you lose momentum and all that. They've, they, you know, after they played us, they didn't lose again until the last week of the season. So um, that's what's been remarkable about, remarkable about them is their consistency week in and week out. Yeah, they were talking about getting off to the slow start, right? I think they lost their opening game, didn't they? Yeah, they lost their opening game and their last game. And then other than that, they had the tie in Ottawa. Other than that, they won everything. And you know you know from being around the CFL how hard that is to do. So we give them credit for that. But it's, so this has just come down to 60 minutes in one game. Um, you know, you throw the regular season records out the window, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Good luck to you. Thank you. Okay. That's it from the coach. They love playing for Rick Campbell. They really love playing for this guy. And Dave Dickinson, he's another one, you know. What a what a record he has. He joined Calgary in 1996 as a quarterback. They had some other people like Flutie around and so on. Wally Bono was there, but Dave Dickinson came in and he eventually wound up winning Grey Cups for BC and for Calgary and left a while the CFL and went down to San Diego in the National Football League and won a couple of great cups with, you know, being the MVP. And he's just a top-notch guy, just a class guy. And Dave Dickinson is certainly aware of this situation with Ottawa. I mean, being in the Grey Cup last year, losing in the closing moments. Perhaps, he says, that will boost the effort level. Not that they're not going to be trying, but you go through a situation like that and you get right back the next year, right back, he said it does give you that extra shot of energy, so to speak. I've lost the Great Cup, and if you get back the next year, I think you do 
have a little bit more fire. I think uh, they know what it's all about. I think our guys certainly have played well, but we're still a, a team that is trying to figure out exactly what this week is about. I'm, uh, I'm definitely wary of that. I think they will uh, bring their best game. Uh, the other side of that is is if you lost one and then you are losing again, you start pressing. So if we can uh, make it tough on them and get the lead, uh, hopefully they'll press a little bit and we can keep that lead. Yes, he also talks, too, about, you know, his quarterback recognizing the talent of Bo Levi Mitchell from the last time they were in the Grey Cup here, 2012, the 100th anniversary of the CFL, and they lost to the Toronto Argonauts, Ricky Ray, a quarterback. And he says, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell, yes, he came to us, and he was the third-string quarterback in that Grey Cup, but... I saw enough then during that season and played him some in the Grey Cup game as well to know that, uh, hey, we've got something here. Well, you just kind of get a feeling sometimes, and you can see it's not too big for a guy that uh, the step. We look at him in college, and uh, and then you, you meet him, and you just sometimes get a feeling. Uh, you're not sure. Uh, but at that stage, I felt like he was competing fairly evenly with two guy ball players, so... I thought he would be the guy, uh, you know, and then it just requires you almost to have a little bit of, uh, just a little bit of courage to make that decision. Uh, you know, you always think they might be that guy, but you know, when you have vets, sometimes it's hard to make that. We've been pretty good as an organization. Just say, you know what, I think it's time and we're going to let them kind of grow through any pains that they have. And for Bo, there really wasn't a lot of growing pains. He stepped right in. He, he did play in the Grey Cup here in 2012 and looked every bit the part. Uh, and that's that was as a third stringer that year. So, no, he's uh, he's he enjoys the moment. Um, uh, I I'd like to say that for me, uh, certain times in the games is maybe even clearer than practice. Or you, even your your performance upticks. Uh, and I think Bo is one of those guys that he's good in practice, but uh, I think he even gets better in the games. So. That gives you a little more info as to where we're going with this uh, first hour is uh, coming to a close here of our Great Cup preview for Shipper Supply and Crystal Glass. But we have uh, much more coming up as we set the stage for what should be, I think, uh, maybe a classic Great Cup because of the way these two teams are structured, coached, and quarterbacked, and both with outstanding receiving cores and running backs. It's going to be a battle, folks. We have more coming up after the news from the Sheraton Center in Toronto. Great Cup 104 presented by Shaw.